Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Loretta Wetzel, who is known as Mama Soul Wisdom. Loretta is a prominent family entrepreneur and relationship expert, business owner, and transformational leader. She founded the Wetzel Group over 10 years ago. Loretta has successfully faced problems parents encounter today, including time management, good health habits, and work-life balance. She also achieved her MBA degree while working full-time and raising her family of three children. She is passionate about helping families to unlock their freedom by creating personal and business success through entrepreneurship. So I am super excited to welcome Loretta Wetzel to the show. Welcome, Loretta. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an honor and a privilege. Oh, I'm very excited because you kind of work at the different end of the scale to me, right? I mean, you've been married for over 40 years, which, first of all, a round of applause. That's pretty incredible. I know you've got three kids. Um, and I, I know a lot of my listeners will be thinking, wow, that is a super long time. How does she do it? So just tell us a little bit about you and, and your relationship and how you've got to last 42 years, is it now? Oh, it actually is 41 years. It'll be 42 next year. But here's, there are lots of ups and downs in a relationship, regardless. I don't care who you meet. If they say in a relationship, you don't have ups and downs and everything in between, they're not really telling you the whole truth, first and foremost. So one of the things that we abide by, my husband, Perrin, and myself, is the roller coaster rule. Ooh, I like the sound of this. <laughs> so, you know when you ride a roller I love roller coasters, by the way. It's just the adrenaline rush it gets to me. I love it. Uh, but in roller coasters, you have ups, you have downs, you have twists, you have turns, you go fast. You slow down, you speed up, all of that's involved in the roller coaster. Well, when you first get on the ride and you sit down and however long the ride is, you don't get off the roller coaster until the ride is over. Same with the marriage. We have an agreement to abide by the roller coaster rule. Till one of us passes away, we stay on for the ride. Wow. Well, that is a really interesting take. I do like that. I mean, as long as it's a healthy relationship, I guess. Otherwise, you're strapped into something. Yeah, okay. It must be a healthy relationship. I would never advocate uh, staying in an unhealthy relationship, an abusive relationship, or anything that's going to do harm to yourself. In other words, in a relationship, a half and a half doesn't make a whole. You must have a whole person and a whole person together in order to succeed. And if you don't have that, 
then it's best to not continue the bad relationship. Well, I can see how, I mean, that's great advice, but I can see how having that rule in a healthy relationship really increases the commitment and the certainty for both partners. Because I think sometimes it's that uncertainty of not knowing whether your partner's fully in or not that can make you doubt, which then seeds, you know, sows the seeds for maybe a rocky foundation, right? So actually having that commitment up front must take away some of that anxiety. Is that right? It does. It does. And you must have both parties willing to work at it. I think what happens in today's society, that it is quite easy to give yourself permission to walk away and think that, well, the next one will be better, except for what people don't realize is that there are certain mannerisms, behavior, uh, culture, your past that you bring along in the relationship. So actually two people don't get married. Actually it's two families that come together. And so if you're not familiar with your uh, partner's upbringing, the relationship that they have with their family, how they treat individuals, elders with respect or not, you know, these are things that unconsciously you're bringing into a relationship that you may not even be aware of. It's very true. And I think, you know, there's some programs right now on TV over here called Married at First Sight. I don't know if you've seen those shows, but the, the TV shows based on the premise that you meet your husband or wife to be at the altar and families, you know, sitting in the church or the registry office there. And that's the first time you meet people. And then they're surprised at the fallout <laughs> when they don't get on. I think it's quite amazing, really. Very brave participants taking part in that show. Makes great viewing, by the way. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit. It does, actually. We have a show like that in the U.S. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work in a sense that anything is possible. But the key is, is that once you choose to make that commitment, then the question becomes, do you plan on honoring your word with that? And that's the key. It's possible to have love at first sight. Sure it is. But uh, if you choose to enter into a bond, a sacred bond, and your intent is your intent, your original intent, is to spend the rest of your life with that person. You got to realize walking in, it's not all going to be a bed of roses. You're That's gonna very step, true. Yeah, you're going to step on some thorns. You're going to, you know, it's it's not going to work out sometimes. And you got to be willing to stay committed to work through. Yeah, and I think you're so right about the family because it's important because, you know, obviously family plays a very large role in, you know, people's lives, whether it's just history or maybe baggage they're bringing to it or whether they're close to their family still and they're very engaged with them so obviously those relationships are key and like you say we learn a lot unconsciously from our parents from our you know the people that bring us up in this world and quite often that behavior and the the strategies we adopt for dealing with certain things like conflict resolution and things like that 
can be very different. So when you bring two people in with very different strategies for dealing with, say, how to have an argument or how to resolve an argument, that can cause problems, right? <laughs> Both definitely can cause problems. And, and you know, you gotta, you got to have the issues. There are going to be some problems. The thing is, is, do your best to try not to go to bed angry. Um, your brain continues to work while you're sleeping. So if you can, if you go to bed angry, that means all night long, you're going to be stewing on what you argued about and wake up in the morning. And chances are your sleep was not restful. And then you start all over again. It's like a, a hamster on a wheel and you just keep going and going and going, never really dealing with the problem. Yeah, that's very true. So, okay, so for my listeners, some of them may have already broken up, obviously, but some people may be thinking, you know, my marriage is really not working out for me. You know, I really, you know, I've tried, I've tried a thousand things, nothing seems to work. What would be your advice for, for marriages that are on the rocks and you're desperately trying to save it? What would your advice be for listeners in that situation? Well, you got to start with the basics. The basics is, are you committed to one another to work it out, presuming that it's a healthy relationship? And if you are committed to doing that, then the next step is being willing to have open and honest communication with each other and to be very straight about it. Uh, oftentimes, um, a spouse or a partner may think that a, a spouse or partner is thinking one thing and they're not really thinking that at all. But if you've been with a person for four years or seven years, you think you know what your other partner is thinking. You may not really. And so the advice is really just be committed and begin the ongoing communication. Now, I have a few tips that I could share of what not to do if you want to continue to have a long-lasting and joyful relationship. Oh, yes, please, Larissa, let's hear those. Okay, all right. Well, tip number one is don't judge each other. Easier said than done, Sarah, because we're human beings, okay? We will judge somebody with the quickness and the bat of an eye, and you don't even realize it. But judgment has a negative frequency to it. And it tends to be paired with another negative energy, usually an outcome of some sort that is less than desirable results. Maybe the two of you had uh, planned on purchasing a home together and something fell through. Or maybe the two of you uh, wanted to travel on holiday somewhere and something happened and didn't work out. But what happens is, is that when you judge each other and you say, okay, we didn't get X, then you, you fall down the blame game of, okay, whose fault was it? It was your fault. No, it was your fault. Now you're in victim mode and you're blaming. And it doesn't do either one of you any good at all. And so a friend of mine shared about uh, 
a relationship that she was in. And uh, she had to go away for a bit to visit with her older children. And then while she was gone, she mentioned that her uh, then at the time boyfriend had said, well, you know, honey, I'm just gonna have a few people over for a party, just letting you know. And then it happened that she called and there were a ton of people at the house and they were partying and laughing and having a good time. And she said she judged him so hard, like, really? You couldn't wait until I got back, until you had this party without me? I thought I was your loved one. Well, it turns out while she was gone, he was planning the surprise engagement party. And when she found out, the guilt hit like, oh, man, I had judged you so hard. It's like, yeah, don't judge each other. That's tip number one. I love that. I love that. Really good advice. Okay, what's number two? Tip number two is don't try to change your spouse. (laughs) What you see is what you get. So don't try to change your spouse. There's an old Southern expression the mama soul wisdom, I share old school wisdom for a new generation. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Now, there's an addition to that. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink unless you salt the oats. So rather than <laughs> focusing on changing your partner or your spouse, Focus on changing your behavior, express your desires and wishes, and they will eventually choose to change themselves. So, for example, my husband and I, when it comes to the neatness category, let's just say we're on uh, different ends of the spectrum. Let's put it like that. And so it used to drive me crazy. When we get up in the morning, and this is when I worked in corporate America, I had a a horrific commute. And so I really had to just get up and drive and go to work. And I'd come back home and the bed wasn't made. And it would drive me nuts because it's like, make the bed, right? And so I fussed, I fussed, nothing seemed to work. I was like, okay. Let's have a conversation about this. And so we came to an agreement, salting the oats. We came to an agreement that whoever is the last person out of bed in the morning gets to make up the bed. And we both agreed to it. And it turns out sometimes I would be the last person to get out of bed. Sometimes he would be the last person to get out of bed. And we agreed to it. Now, once it becomes a habit, then it was like, oh, honey, I know that you were the last person out of bed, but I know you're not feeling too good. I just went on and did it. I salted the oats. See, people have to be willing to change on their own, but you cannot force them to do that. So tip number two is don't try to change your spouse. 
love that. What what if you've got a partner that is being very sort of difficult or doesn't really understand? You want to work on it and they're not doing it. How can you, you know, if, if you're trying to work on things together, how does that work? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. What if you've got a partner that is being very sort of difficult or doesn't really understand, you want to work on it and they're not doing it? How can you, you know, if, if you're trying to work on things together, how does that work? Well, it goes back in the beginning to what I said with the commitment in the relationship. You have to start there because if both parties aren't willing or committed to work it out, you're going to spin your wheels, period, because you only have one person that's willing to look, to willing to try something different. And if the other party is being stubborn or chooses just not to, for whatever reason, it will not work. Half plus half doesn't equal a whole. You got to have a whole and a whole for a full relationship. So if you don't have the commitment between the two of you to work it out in whatever it is, you can't move forward without that commitment. That's the first thing. Second thing is you've got to be willing to have open and honest communication between the between the two parties. If you don't have those two criteria in that order, it won't work. Okay. Okay, that's really interesting. So let's get back to tip number three. What's tip number three of what not to do? Oh my goodness, tip number three is don't make assumptions about what your spouse is thinking. Ask. Powerful people ask powerful questions because questions steer focus and what you focus on expands. So ask the question. Communication is one of the five key areas couples have the most friction over. So I can tell you when my husband and I, we first got married many, many, many years ago. Um, I won't tell you my age. I will tell you I'm as old as my tongue and a little older than my teeth. Uh, But back in the day when we first got married, our apartment was pretty bare. We had no furniture other than a headboard, a frame and a mattress. That was it. We started out with pretty much nothing. And so his mother-in-law said, well, you have a choice. 
I can either pay for your honeymoon to go to Bermuda, because my, my uh, husband wanted to go to Bermuda, or I can buy you a huge color TV. Now, back in the day, a huge color TV was 19 inches, long, long, long time ago. But anyway, being the practical person that I am, and I'm looking at the apartment and there's no furniture, I said, honey, let's take the color TV. Well, lo and behold, he didn't communicate very clearly that his preference was to go on a honeymoon. As a matter of fact, he just kept quiet. And I'm like, honey, why didn't you express how strongly you felt about going to Bermuda on your honeymoon? I'm like, I would have changed my mind. But here's what happened. He held that against me for a good 10 or 15 years. I didn't really even find out about it until then. And I'm like, oh, he said, well, I just assumed because you said you wanted the color TV that you had made up your mind and that that was final. I'm like, you could ask. Don't make assumptions about what your spouse is thinking. It may be something totally different. And if you don't give them the benefit of the doubt, they may have one opinion and after having a conversation with you, they may stick with that same opinion or they may choose differently, but you'll never know until you communicate and ask. Really good advice. I think communication is absolutely key in a relationship. So if you have the ability to talk to your partner and, and look at these things, then you know I think that can be helpful. As you said, even 10 years later, bringing these things back up. And I guess, you know, resolving the conflict is also important. Like how do you, you know, if you disagree, find a way that's safe for both of you to communicate, maybe if you've got different styles. Absolutely, because what happens is, is that one person will often, I like to say, deep six their feelings. I don't want to rock the boat. Well, in reality, my life really is good. So I won't say anything. I'll just keep quiet. And then something else happens. And then they keep quiet and something else happens. And then the next thing you know, internally, they're suffering. And then the next thing you know, they're unhappy. And then the next thing you know, they're miserable. And it's like, no. As soon as something occurs, whatever it is, whether it's communication, whether it's how you're raising the kids, whether it has to do with finances, any area of life that you're dealing with, if something is not sitting well with you, the key is to be able to express it in a way so it would look like Honey, is it okay? What's a good time for us to have a conversation? Because I, I wanna I wanna talk to you about X or I wanna talk to you about our budget or finances. When is it a good time for us to talk? So agreement building from the beginning. When you bring it up, might not be the best time to have that conversation. So you you must build agreement along the way. And then you agree upon the time. 
and like, okay, we have 30 minutes because both of us have, you know, careers, busy lives, whatever, or kids are going to bed. We'll talk then. Right? And then you say, listen, I have a concern with the budget. It looks like we are overspending. What are your thoughts about that? Once again, there's no judgment, there's no accusation, but you're expressing your feelings and what you and what concerns that you have. And you give them an opportunity to do the same. I love that because you're kind of creating a safe space then, aren't you? And then it's agreed, you're not kind of ambushing them with something. And I love the way that you're saying no judgment and no assumptions, because obviously that can be quite triggering as well if you hear that. What do you think about if your partner isn't really engaging? Maybe this has been going on for a long time and you're thinking, gosh, I don't want the relationship to end, but I can't see how to change it. Do you see any merit in stepping up yourself, making some changes just on your own to then encourage them to change? Because, you know, maybe if you step up and, and you know, start doing things slightly differently yourself, then that will encourage them when they see some changes to maybe to come out of their shell and meet you halfway. Have you seen that work before? Absolutely. That's part of salting the oats. So you can't change the other person, but certainly you are in control. No one can make you unhappy. You make yourself unhappy. No one can make you cry. You cry yourself. It's part of taking responsibility and ownership for who you are as an individual and your feelings. If you get in the argument with someone where you say, he made me cry. No. You had an argument and your feelings were hurt and you chose to express it in that manner. But it all starts with looking at yourself in the mirror and expect, accepting responsibility for who you are as a whole human being. Joy comes from the inside. Happiness has a tendency to depend on circumstances, whether circumstances are good or they're bad. Joy is internal. So no matter what happened, no matter what pitfalls you face that particular day, you are still joyful from the inside. So absolutely, absolutely do the things that you enjoy that you want to do in life to upgrade, to improve, to transform, whatever makes you happy. And the other person will go, huh, she's not dependent on me. Huh, she's happy regardless of what I do or say. Huh, she's living her life. That's salting the oats. I love that. I do. I really do. And for those of my listeners who are thinking, gosh, well, I'm, I'm you know, my relationship, I couldn't save, I'm out. I think these are all really good lessons to learn because, you know, if you're going to get into another relationship, obviously looking for those key foundations where you can have that commitment and communication that you said before, which is so important as a baseline moving forward. So looking back and learning the lessons and maybe looking at the mistakes you made in past relationships, that could be useful, right? Absolutely. I've always believed that there are actually many loves in life. Now, you may be committed to one person, but there are a number of individuals that 
I would consider as loves in my life because they're all different types of loves, right? Love for humanity, love for friendship, love for colleagues. And so being the human being that I am with an open heart, like when you step into that next relationship, Take these tips in, in mind, in heart, so that you aren't repeating the same mistakes over and over again, because that is one thing that I've learned in life. If you haven't learned how to address that particular mistake or issue, it'll keep coming up again in different formats in your life until you learn that lesson. That's very true. Life has a funny way of keep on teaching us those lessons until we take note, right? Until we do something about it. Okay, well, gosh, it's been fascinating to chat to you. Um, tell us a little bit about where we can find you for listeners who want to get in touch with you or maybe take some coaching with you. How can they find you? Sarah, it's been a pleasure. I love having conversations with individuals with different schools of thought and opinion. If people want to connect with me, go to my website, at mamasoulwisdom.com. That's M-A-M-A, soulwisdom.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook and IG. Also at Mama Soul Wisdom. I, I am in the process of writing a book with my uh, husband. And just some of the tips that I gave you today, obviously is not everything after 41 years of marriage but you are going to want to uh, dig into the book that's coming out at the beginning of next year uh, with regards to relationships. So I'm really excited to share that with the world, the letting people know that it is totally possible. So those are the best ways to get in touch with me. That is amazing. Now, I have one final question for you that I ask all my guests. My podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important, as we touched on, actually, as you were speaking, to know what happiness is for you so that you can tap into it, even when you are going through some challenging times, maybe trying to save a, a relationship. So what is happiness for you, Loretta? I think happiness for me is a choice. It's a choice. I don't want anyone to think without 41 years of marriage that we haven't had some heartbreak. We've dealt with financial issues, including having to file for bankruptcy. Uh, we've had issues with alcoholism. Um, uh, we've had three grown and uh, independent and successful children, but we've also had issues with depression. So there's going to be some point in your life where things aren't going the way that you want them to. And so that's also one of the reasons why I started my own podcast. It's called I Am Love Movement because I interview parents and, and entrepreneurs who have triumphed over tragedy using love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And I think that really is key in terms of happiness, having love, acceptance, and forgiveness as you are committed to each other on this life's journey. Yes, I couldn't agree more. What lovely advice. Well, thank you, Larissa, for joining me and for being a fabulous guest. Sarah, thank you for having me. And 
I look forward to us connecting again in the near future. Me too. That's it for today's episode. Please head on over to mamasoulwisdom.com to find out more about Loretta and do check out her podcast, I Am Love Movement too. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.